0: From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. That's Chamberlain. He's got it. Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike.
1: To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is on there celebrating. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second
0: shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man!
1: Gets it to LeBron.
0: For three for the win. Yes! LeBron, James.
1: And rings were handed out like candy. One. here's yes! it was all over, It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Vera Bouguet. And it starts right now.
0: Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week I've got a very special guest. He's a regular on the program and a fellow sports business classroom alum, Abuka Ufandu. Abuka, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, Garrett, thanks for having me back on again. Now, uh, Abuka, we're going to be doing a uh, our own version of the All-Star Draft, which uh, this episode will be released on Wednesday, and the All-Star Draft will be taking place Thursday night, so we're going to get uh, out ahead of this, and and the version of the All-Star Draft that we're going to do is, uh, I'm going to be acting as uh, as LeBron James, and, uh, you know, people confuse us all the time, um, and uh, so I'm going to get the first pick of the starters, and then Ibuka is going to be acting as Giannis Antetokounmpo, and uh, he is going to be getting the first pick in the reserves, and uh, also... Just to clarify for any of you listening, we're not going to be drafting this. This isn't a mock draft. This isn't any sort of prediction. Uh, this is going to be us selecting the players that we would select if we were those guys. And also, we're trying to build these teams out to compete in a you know hypothetical seven-game playoff series. Uh, so we're not, we're not basing any of these picks on like who would excel in an all-star game format when, when no one is playing any defense. So uh, we're going to get started with that in just a moment, and then anybody out there that also happens to be a, uh, a fan of the Premier League, Abuka is a big uh, Manchester United fan, and we're going to break down a few things about soccer later in the episode. So Abuka, without further ado, we'll get started with the, with the All-Star Draft, and uh, I, as LeBron James, with the first pick, will select Kawhi Leonard. Okay, Kawhi Leonard with the first pick. Interesting. Oh, and I, I also should say before uh, before you, you make your selection, I, I guess I should should just mention all of the guys available here. Um, in this opening round of picks, we have to select, uh, we are going by the rules that they're going to use uh, on Thursday night, we have to select the eight remaining starters first. And uh, so the, the, eight, the eight starters available in the Eastern Conference, there's Kemba Walker, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. And then in the Western Conference, there's James Harden, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, uh, who I just took, and uh, Anthony Davis. So uh, with that said, Abuka, who, uh, who are you going with with the second overall selection? I am going to pick James Harden with the second pick. Okay. So going with the beard. I think it would be fun as well to sort of break down and, and give the, the audience a little bit of an inner monologue as to what our thought process is behind these picks are. And and for me, uh, you know, with, with my selection of Kawhi Leonard, it was mostly about just the fact that I think he's the best player available in, in a, a playoff series. He, was, he showed to be the best player in the NBA last postseason, taking the Raptors to the championship. So, uh, Ibuka, what was your thought process behind uh, selecting James Harden?
1: Yeah, so if I had had the first pick, I would have gone with Kawhi Leonard as well for the same reason. Uh, Basically, my logic here is I don't really have a stretch five available to choose from. So my plan here is basically to play Giannis as the center in the starting lineup. So I was looking for the best pick-and-roll ball handler to kind of partner with him. And for me, that's James Harden of these guys available.
0: Okay, interesting. So yeah, uh, I I know a, a James harden Giannis. Uh, spread pick and roll would be very difficult to stop that's for sure so uh, with the uh, with the third pick and uh, again out of the guys remaining there's Luka Doncic Anthony Davis Kemba Walker Trey Young Pascal Siakam and Joel Embiid I'm going to select and uh, pair up uh, and and just keep this uh, a Los Angeles team and uh, select Anthony Davis
1: okay and on my end I'm going to go with. You know what? I'm going to take Luka Doncic. Okay, so uh... I'm trying to keep as much as much shooting on the floor as possible around Giannis. It's, it's kind of tricky with the the starters because basically I'm picking either either I'm going to go small and take guys like Kemba Walker and Trey Young and kind of have a really small lineup around Giannis, or get a lot of ball handlers out there. So anyway, we'll see. There's gonna it's gonna be interesting.
0: How yeah. The team so uh, you're you're making this a little bit difficult on me because we and, and I should mention as well that so far we've selected the entire uh, Western Conference starting lineup. <laughs> uh, so you are forcing me to select the first Eastern Conference guy. And uh, again, the options I have here involve include Kemba Walker, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, and uh, and Joel Embiid and the uh the challenge here is you know I'm already pretty big with uh with LeBron, Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis. So, Joel Embiid doesn't make a lot of sense here unless I just wanted to I mean I, I could just go for the all out just dominating the boards and and preventing you from scoring anything in any buckets inside. Uh but uh and then, you know, Pascal Siakam is another interesting option. I think I am going to go with Siakam and just uh, give... Because his improved three-point shot allows him to play off the ball a little bit more, and uh, he just makes my defense uh, just completely ferocious out there, especially on the wing. And
1: now this kind of forces me to torpedo my Giannis at center plan. Because I think the gap in ability is so wide. Between Embiid and the two guys remaining, that I just have to pick him, so I'm going to
0: go with Joel Embiid. Okay. Well, yeah, and you know the the positive for you as far as you know pairing and M- uh, Giannis and Embiid at the at the power forward and center positions is you have selected a couple of guys that can shoot the basketball, and James Harden and Luka Doncic. So, and and regardless of whether I take Kemba or Trey Young, you're going to get another shooter. So. Spacing shouldn't be a huge issue, even though, yeah, that uh, I'm sure that is your concern. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. Okay, so out of the out of the, the remaining two guys, Kemba Walker and Trey Young, this is this is a difficult decision. I mean, I, I personally think that uh, that, that Trey Young is the, is the better offensive player, but again, since I'm I'm trying to avoid having a, a huge defensive weakness out there, and he certainly is that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kemba Walker and stick you with Trey Young.
1: Yeah, you just went with basically the logic I would have gone with there. But they're both really good offensively, but Kemba's at least somewhat solid on the defensive end, so definitely I would have gone with him if he was available. But he's not, so Trey Young it is.
0: Okay, so That's and funny. and Ibuka after uh, after being forced to to select Trey Young with the eighth pick is going to get the first pick out of the reserves. And uh, I will mention the the reserves now. Uh, The reserves in the Eastern Conference include Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and DeMontis Sabonis. And uh, in the Western Conference, there's Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook, and Brandon Ingram. So, Ibuka, who are you going with with the uh, first selection of the reserves?
1: I am taking Nikola Jokic first.
0: Okay, so uh, you're, you're taking all the size, it appears, with, with Embiid and Jokic.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, the thing he is, maybe down the stretch, Embiid, you know, take a seat, and maybe it'd be Nikola Jokic at the five instead, just to get even more shooting and a little bit more versatility on offense out there next to Giannis.
0: Yeah, so um, it, it is interesting, you know, when, when we're, you're talking about building out a, a roster here, you know, people might, um, you know, look at Jokic and say he's, he's the best player available too, but it's, it's not necessarily all about just picking the best guy out of these reserves at this stage because we are trying to build a roster that that makes some sense, has enough floor spacing, has enough defense, you know, and, and has enough rebounding. So, you know, looking at my starting lineup, uh, I would say maybe one of, my, one of my big weaknesses would be a, a lack of uh, elite shooting out there. Um, so there are a couple of options for me. Obviously, Damian Lillard is, is a really excellent shooter. Um, you know, but, but the guy that I'm going to go with, and this might surprise you a bit, is I'm going to go with Chris Paul. And again, he's a guy that I think if I put him at, at point guard... He is going to uh, be able to hold up defensively. He's also a really good shooter, and his uh, his lack of high usage doesn't really matter to me, given that uh, I've got a bunch of creators in my starting lineup.
1: Yeah, and now I'm looking kind of along similar lines here, because in my first round I took a lot of a, lot, a few big guys, and then also a lot of ball handlers, and even some of my bigs like Giannis and Jokic, you know, are capable of playing as point guards essentially out there on the floor so I need a few guys who can kind of play off ball and just knock down shots Right. so I'm actually going to pick someone like you said, a score sort of similar to yours who isn't really one of the best players left but in terms of fit and especially because he's artist's teammate uh, I think he'd be an excellent guy to go with, maybe a little bit too early but I'm going with Chris Middleton I'm not sure if you're gonna pick him or not, so that's why
0: I'm taking him off the board. It was not too early. He was gonna be my next selection. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you've got me reeling here after uh, after making that uh, incredible selection. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you know, again, wing players that can shoot, uh, you know, and and he's not a defensive liability either, uh, are, are pretty valuable. Um, so I'm going to go in a similar mold and kind of take my my Plan B out of that that group of players and and go with with Jason Tatum. You know he's got the size. He also can shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, and you know he's he's improved quite a bit on the defensive end. Again, this isn't uh, anywhere close to uh, what I would consider the best player available left on the board. But I think he is a he is a, a good fit and a guy that can can play off the ball and. And basically, uh, if, if I'm coaching this team as, as LeBron James, as being the floor leader, I'll, I'll tell him, no mid-range shots, please.
1: <laughs> okay, so for my next pick, so right now I only have one true point guard on the team, which is Trey Young. And I think there are actually some better point guards available, particularly in terms of how they actually fit on this team. and it's a little bit of a debate for me here because in my mind the best point guard left is Lillard but
0: you're also a Raptors fan which I'm sure is uh... (laughs) so I think what I'm going to do is also take and again honestly Middleton and Lowry
1: might be near the bottom of this list of players in terms of actual ability but I really like the way they fit with the rest of these guys, so I'm going to go with Lowry. That's
0: just my next pick. Okay. Yeah, I, I consider him a really good selection because he's, again, a guy that uh, once you've already got the, the playmakers, the guys that can create, uh, he just is a guy that does all the little things. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very solid selection. Uh, of course, um, you know, a player, I think, that isn't on the team this year because of uh, he's out with injury, but a guy that has been uh, one of the, the better reserves for the All-Star game in recent years is Clay Thompson just because he never needs the ball in his hands. He moves off the ball well, and, and Lowry does a lot of those things. So let me just uh, quickly recap the players we have left out of the reserves. So out of the Eastern Conference reserves, there's still Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis. And in the Western Conference, we've got Damian Lillard, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook, and Brandon Ingram. So uh, the guy that I'm going to go with, uh, and, and again, I think part of it is that uh, I'm going to focus on having a switching defensive system, you know, with, with Davis as my starting center. Uh, you know, I've got Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, Pascal Siakam, Jason Tatum—all guys in that six-eight range that can that can switch on defense. I'm going to select Bam Adebayo. Interesting pick, and I like that. I actually like that one
1: for the guys that you have left, especially with no true center yet actually on your team until just now.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, if you don't want to consider Davis a true center, which yeah, he he plays mo- <laughs> he more at the four. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So for my pick, uh, let's see here. You know what? So I want to get someone who kind of does something similar to what Giannis does, but coming off the bench. Just so when Giannis is, you know, taking a seat, there's someone who make a similar contribution on the offensive and defensive end so i'm
0: actually gonna go with ben Simmons. okay interesting yeah one of the better uh defensive players left on the board especially from the wing position and and that's another thing that i think is uh is is pretty obvious if you've been listening to the draft so far is that uh wings have been uh, a pretty big priority on on both of our teams so uh now we're up to pick number 16 and uh, so, yeah, it's starting to get a little bit more difficult now. Uh, and, again, we're, we're running low on wings. I think I, I still need one more. And uh, I think this pick I am actually going to go with best player available, and I'm going to select Jimmy Butler. So so back-to-back Miami Heat players I just selected. And did I, ta- did I take your next selection? <laughs> Probably that was going to be who it was. Uh, but, yeah, I think now at this point we fit
1: portion of it is getting a little bit more difficult so yeah the logic of going with the best player definitely makes some sense and for that reason i am going
0: to grab damian lillard okay yeah lillard has been having a uh, incredible uh stretch uh player of the week for for back-to-back weeks for the portland trailblazers just putting up uh, incredible numbers shooting the ball and incredibly well and yeah he was uh He was going to be my next selection as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, good selection there. So, again, uh, just to to, uh, recap who we have left, Uh, DeMontis Sabonis is the only remaining Eastern Conference reserve, and I imagine he's going to be near the bottom. Uh, Then uh, in the Western Conference, we still have Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook, and Brandon Ingram. Uh, so again, continuing on my uh, my streak of of selecting wing players that can shoot, and Ingram has has continued to v- develop there. I'm selecting Brandon Ingram of the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, that was my next guy. <laughs> uh, so with
1: him gone, I'll get the closest thing I can get to a shooting wing. He's not really a true wing at his size, but I'm gonna go with Donovan Mitchell.
0: Okay, so we um, we are we are coming down to the to the end stretch here, and uh, we've got Rudy Gobert, Russell Westbrook, and uh, also Sabonis available. Uh, I I think I'm going to go with uh, again. This is best player available, but also fills a bit of a need as as you mentioned. I, I I only have one true center, and and even Bam has played a lot at the four this year for the Heat. Uh, I'm going to uh, finally take. Uh, the, uh, the likely favorite for Defensive Player of the Year yet
1: again, Rudy Gobert. Okay, and a little bit of Westbrook hate for my last pick. Uh, I just kind of don't want him taking shots away from my other playmakers, so I'm going to take Sabonis because he'll kind of just clean up the glass and you know be a role player on this team instead of taking shots away from Giannis and Harden and people who are actually better than him. So I'm going to go with Sabonis
0: okay um so you have forced upon me russell westbrook which uh um if anyone uh, listening knows me that is the last person i wanted uh so so good on you for (laughs) forcing that on me um i will be sure to play russell westbrook as few minutes as possible in this series (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true so um we are, uh, we are finished with the draft, and I'm just going to briefly uh, go over our rosters here, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about how we think our, our teams fare against each other, what are sort of the, the strengths and weaknesses. So uh, my team as Team LeBron includes Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Pascal Siakam, and Kemba Walker out of the starters, and then the reserves, I selected Chris Paul, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert, and uh, Russell Westbrook. And Ibuka, as Giannis Antetokounmpo, selected James Harden, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, and Trey Young in his starting lineup. And for his reserves, he selected Nikola Jokic, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, and Domantas Sabonis. So, uh, Ibuka, what uh, what are your initial sort of impressions of uh, of the, the conclusion of this draft? Uh,
1: so I think, I think on my end, I've gotten quite a few playmaking players, probably. Uh, I do like the fact that I was able to get those two kind of off-the-ball guys in Calvary and Chris Middleton. That should help to kind of balance things out on the offensive end. But I would have liked to get another 3-and-D guy, which is I really... It really hurt me missing out on Ingram, but maybe I should have taken him before Ben Simmons. But uh, overall, I, I like the team for sure. There's definitely some options there to kind of put a lineup around Giannis where he has enough space to actually go to work. And the nice thing about this draft, or the way the team captains have worked out, is that basically we have the best player, well, in your case probably the second best player in the conference, but uh, the best player in each conference on our team. So it makes sense to kind of build the best lineup we can around these guys. I right. for you, I think Kawhi is actually the best player in your conference, but we'll see, on his day anyway.
0: Right. Um, so, so, yeah, I, uh, I agree with what you said. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting that uh, you, know, you talk about with, with Harden, Doncic, Trey Young, even, uh, even a guy like uh, Nikola Jokic and, and, and Damian Lillard, those guys uh, use the ball quite a bit. Uh, but you do have a, a ton of playmaking out there, and you've also got a, a ton of size as well with probably the two biggest guys in the draft in in Jokic and in Embiid. Uh, the, the thing I love about my team is, for one, the, the switchability defensively. You know, LeBron, Kawhi, Davis, Siakam, Tatum, Adebayo, Butler. Uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of guys that can switch really uh, one through five. Um, you know, I I've got a decent amount of you know I, I think you have maybe the the best shooters in the draft. You know, you look at guys like Harden, Doncic, Young, uh, Middleton, and, and Lillard. I think you got the best shooters, but but I still think I got um, you also got some of the weakest shooters as well with the likes of uh, of of Ben Simmons. So yeah, it, it'll it'll de- it would definitely be a, an interesting matchup. So let me ask you this: considering you were stuck with Trey Young in your uh, in your starting lineup. Who would be the guy that you would put in his place if you would uh, in the closing
1: lineup? Yeah, so after looking at my whole roster, I think actually if I were going to close out a game with this team, I think the five guys i want for Lowry, Harden, Middleton, Giannis, and Jokic, I think that kind of gives me the best balance. So I have with James Harden from the wing and then Giannis and Jokic obviously are creators as well but I like the spacing that Jokic gives Giannis at the five spot uh, and then combine that with the fact that Lowry and Middleton are both great defensive guys who can play off ball uh, shoot from outside I think that that kind of gives me the most balanced lineup that I can get with these five guys it's probably not the best lineup in terms of you know let's just stick the best five guys out there on the floor but I guess we're not really trying to make uh, an all-star lineup here, right? We're trying to make a lineup that would work the best in a real game, and I think that's the one that, for me, would be the most dangerous on both ends uh, in the closing stretch. I guess the one debate there for me would be whether to have Embiid or Jokic out there. Uh, but, yeah, I think Jokic is a better fit just because he is a better shooter than Embiid and also a bit better of a creator as well so that would add, give the team a little bit more options on the offensive end.
0: So I guess my question to you then is if if my closing lineup involves Davis at the 5, LeBron at the 4, Kawhi at the 3, at the at the 2 position, I might go with uh, I might just go huge and go with with Siakam and then uh, I would have put Chris Paul in there instead of Kemba Walker. So my question for you with your closing lineup with, with James Harden at the three, who's guarding Kawhi Leonard? Oh no, I've got Harden at the two. Oh, gotcha. So, so who so, do you have at so, the three?
1: So, yeah, the trick with your, so Middleton's at the three for me. So Middleton would be on Kawhi Leonard and I guess LeBron and Giannis would be up. Yeah. In, in the case of that one that you have there. The tricky bit would be Jokic on Anthony Davis. Although they played each other recently Jokic has done quite well against the Lakers, so that would that'd be, that'd be an interesting matchup. It's probably not the best for me on the defensive end, but I actually think those two lineups match up pretty well with each other. Lowry versus Chris Ball is an interesting one, too, probably the two highest IQ point guards in the league.
0: Very similar players as well yeah. in terms of their style. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the Jokic Davis thing would be would be fascinating. Um, obviously, Davis a little thin in the shorts, maybe would struggle posting or dealing with uh, you know on post defense against Jokic. But uh, if you want to post up Jokic in 2020, I think I'm okay with that. Uh, but, uh, especially with, with my uh, with my athleticism and length out there, I could double if necessary and still fly around and, and get out to shooters. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I, uh, I gotta say I I enjoy the idea of Chris Middleton trying to guard uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you know he he did a uh, a reasonable job in in the postseason last year when Milwaukee didn't have a lot of great options. Uh, but uh, but I do like that and uh, and yeah I do like the idea of of forcing Jokic out on the perimeter with uh, with Anthony Davis running pick and rolls. Yeah
1: think of if I would actually change this, if I saw your your five, but I think I would actually go and uh, stick with this lineup. I mean, one thing I could do is maybe move Giannis to the five and then bring someone else in, but there's not really an option to bring on there that makes the team better overall. Like, I could bring in Simmons and we'd be better on the defensive end, but then you're talking about really not having very good spacing, so I actually like the five that I, I put in.
0: Yeah. So out of uh, out of your reserves, who, if you were to, to craft like a, a a eight or nine man rotation, which guys most likely aren't playing for you in a uh, in a seven game playoff series?
1: Oh, who's not playing? Uh, let's see. Trey Young's not playing. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think I can put him out there defensively. He's, yeah. Um, who else is not playing? I think, you know, Donovan Mitchell's a good player, but I think he'd struggle to get out on the floor on this team just because there are a few guys that I have that are just better at doing the same type of thing. Right. And Sabonis likely wouldn't play very much. I mean, I had Jokic and then and Giannis is probably going to play some five as well. So, yeah, it'd be tough for him to get on the floor, especially because he doesn't really have the ability to stretch very much. So...
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, too, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, I've got Rudy Gobert on my bench, and considering that you're planning on playing Embiid and Jokic for, at the center position for most of the game, it would, it would reason to believe that Gobert could actually go out there and contribute a little bit against those guys. But at the same time, you know, we, we've seen him in, in series against Houston, you know, if you have James Harden out there on the floor, you're going to attack Gobert, spread pick and roll, make him guard on the perimeter. So, you know, it, it would it would be dependent on, you know, if you had some some moments in the game where Harden's resting and, and you had one of your traditional centers out there, maybe I could get Gobert on the floor. Uh, but I'm definitely not playing Russell Westbrook at all. Um, as you said, if he allows me to, if he doesn't... Uh, um, you know, <laughs> commit a, a team-wide riot, uh, but uh, yeah. Then the the other guys, you know, I I think um, I think I would probably go with a ten-man rotation, uh, and, and maybe I would do the same thing as you, and and just go super big with my my second units. Start Chris Paul, and maybe not play Kemba Walker at all, because again, it, even though Kemba is is significantly better uh, defensively than Trey Young, he still is a liability.
1: Yeah, I'm actually looking at your team right now and I think you can go a bit deeper than my team can. because You have a few guys that are can kind of fit into any lineup like particularly because you have Tatum, Jimmy Butler and Ingram. Those guys can be on the floor with pretty much anyone else. Uh, whereas on my end, I have a couple guys that are harder to play with certain players like Simmons. When he's on the floor, you kind of need four shooters out there. And then like I mentioned before, the three guys who wouldn't play, Trey Young, not enough defense, Mitchell, I think Harden, Doncic, are just, are just better at the same type of job, same with Willard. And then Sabonis, he's a center, and there's two way better centers in front of him. So, yeah, I think, I think your lineup's a little bit deeper in terms of a playoff lineup, but they're fairly even in terms of how competitive they would be against each other.
0: Yeah, so I guess uh, we'll, we've gotten to the point where, and I know both of us are going to have our own uh, biases because we uh, we drafted these teams. But how do you think these teams would uh, would stack up in a in a seven game series? Do you favor your own? Uh,
1: you know, just for the fact that you have LeBron and Kawhi, I'm tempted to go with your team. Just like. <laughs> I I like the playoff experience for LeBron, and then I I just like the pairing of LeBron and Kawhi in particular, those two guys. Uh, You have LeBron, you know, he has all the experience from his past playoff runs, and then you have Kawhi, who last year we saw can basically play that, like, I mean, he's not Michael Jordan, but he can play that, like, Jordan role offensively if you need him to, and shut down the best player on the other team which is something we saw in the Bucks series against Giannis. So I think just the fact, like, the teams overall are pretty balanced, but I think just the fact that we have that two-man combination, I would probably go with your lineup instead if I were picking one of these to win it in the seven-game series.
0: Yeah, I think it's really tight. Um... I, I I do have to say I think my team would would probably edge yours out in like I would say it would probably go seven games if uh, if we're if we're being realistic I, I I do like what you said in terms of LeBron and Kawhi and not just that combination offensively but what they can do guarding Giannis you know we saw last year in the playoffs with with Kawhi being able to at least slow him down a little bit and I think LeBron despite the fact that he's you know, lost some quickness over the years. I think he's another guy that uh, I think the big thing when defending Giannis is just not getting bullied to the basket. And, and LeBron's not getting bullied by anybody. Um, but, you know, when when you talk about your team and the likes of, of Harden and Doncic uh, and, and, you know, even like a, a Damian Lillard, you have enough guys that could just, uh, you know, game to game could get super hot and, and win you yeah. a game.
1: Yeah, so I was even thinking that uh, for sure it would be a seven-game series just because of how balanced the two teams are. I actually think that even though I'm predicting your team would win this series, I think my team would actually have a better point differential over the course of the series. Because like, like you just mentioned with uh, Doncic, uh Lillard, James Harden, I think this team is more explosive offensively yeah. than, than yours, so most likely in the games that we Win, i think the margin will be wider basically what it comes down to in terms of actually winning the series it's just that i think lebron and kawaii in those close moments of the games are just going to be too dominant for the guys on my team and none of these guys are super proven in the clutch in the playoffs
0: right so, and, and, yeah. and i think it'll it'll come down a lot to uh you know, Harden, Doncic, and Lillard, uh, whether or not they hit step backs over my 6-8 defenders, you <laughs> know, I think that's there will be some games where they, you know, they shoot 40% on those, and other games where they might shoot 15%, so, um, but yeah, this was, a this was a really, uh, really fun exercise, I'm excited to see how the, uh, uh, how the actual draft pans out on Thursday, but, uh, uh, did you did you catch the the All Star Draft last year uh, the televised uh, version of it on TNT? You know
1: what? No, I don't think I actually watched it last year.
0: Okay, well, yeah, that last year was the first year they actually uh, made an event out of it, um, and and I thought LeBron definitely got the the better of Giannis in the draft, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, if if Giannis does a little bit better this time, and and they even executed a trade. But uh, trading in this situation seems, it, it's just such a silly concept because, uh, you know, LeBron. you're drafting guys and any sort of trade would be, I'm trading this guy for a guy that you could have selected, <laughs> but you chose not to. It's, it's such a strange, strange concept. But they did execute a trade last year. I think LeBron got uh, Ben Simmons for, and then he gave up Russell Westbrook. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there are any more trades this time around but uh yeah were there any other stray thoughts you had about this this process in general before we uh, move on and talk a little premier
1: league uh just to kind of follow up to what you were just saying uh yeah i guess in the last draft too there was a lot of like recruitment going on
0: yeah there's gonna be there's gonna be politics as well with guys selecting players on their own team that sort of that sort of
1: stuff yeah which is kind of the nice part of trying to just draft like the best team instead of like predicting what LeBron and Giannis would pick. Although we did end up picking our teammates in the end in this one, so but that was cool.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine LeBron will just take Anthony Davis with the first pick, um yeah, uh, I think as that's as opposed happen. to Kawhi. So that that'll be one difference I can pretty much guarantee will happen. But uh yeah, that was a lot of fun. So let's let's move on and talk a little uh, Premier League. Um Abuka, I know you're a you're a big soccer fan and I uh, I, I watch quite a bit of Premier League myself and the, the first thing we got to talk about, we'll get to Manchester United in a bit, but uh, Liverpool sitting there in, in first place by a mile, leading second place Manchester City by 22 points. The, the Reds have played 25 games. They've got 24 wins and a single draw, 73 points, a 45 goal differential. Uh, And and just for comparison, you know, the the Leicester City team that won the title in 2016, they finished the year with 81 points. And Liverpool is just eight points off of that with 13 games to play. Yeah, there's
1: no way they're losing at this point. It's it's pretty much over. I was cringing kind of during all of that stuff you just listed out. Like, obviously, I'm a Manchester United fan, so Liverpool winning the league is pretty much the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, I've never I've never seen them win, and I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Obviously, they have the second-most titles after United, but all of those happened prior to the Premier League actually forming uh, in the old Football League First Division, so I've never been subjected to actually watching Liverpool with the Premier League before, so... It's a new one for me. And definitely them winning by this kind of margin is, you know, in a way, it's almost better because I'm accepting it earlier on. So I'm kind of just, yeah, I'm kind of just, you know, adjusting to this new world of Liverpool being the best team in England. Uh, It's not fun, but yeah, I mean, from a, from an objective standpoint, though, they've been really impressive. And you know, the thing the thing is, I don't actually think that Liverpool has like a squad like play, if you go player for player through their squad, I don't think it's 22 points better than every single other team in the league, especially not Man City. But I think they're so well coached, and because of the way that I, I think the mistake City made in not getting another central defender kind of caused them to not get off the the right kind of start this year, and because Liverpool was able to open up that gap early on, I think they've just been really comfortable. Once they won that first game against Man City earlier on in the season, uh, they've just had such a wide gap, and City haven't been able to consistently win their game, so now it's at a point where they don't really have anyone chasing them, so yeah, it's... You know, it's a lot easier to win your games when you're not worried about, like, oh, if we lose this week, then Man City's going to jump over us, so there's a ton of pressure on you to win every single week. Like last year,
0: when I think the final point total was 98 to 97 for Man City. Yes.
1: Which, in any other season, except for the year just before that, Liverpool would have won the league with that point total. Because prior to Guardiola's 100-point season, the record in the Premier League was ninety-five by Chelsea in two thousand five, when Mourinho showed up and did his session of dominating. So,
0: yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, your your point about them not being pushed as as much, and 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 that makes things easier. You could almost look at it from the other perspective as well, is that they don't necessarily need to win week to week, so maybe they would take a step back and, and not have as, as much intensity. Uh, I almost feel like Man City was, was helped by the fact that Liverpool pushed them last year and uh, really were, were able to play great football down the stretch. Uh, but you know if, if Liverpool wins the rest of their games, they're going to finish with, with 112 points, which would, would top that, uh, that Man City season from a couple of years ago when they, when they set the Premier League record at 100. Do you believe uh, Liverpool's going to gonna break that mark? Uh, yeah, I think, I think they're going to break the
1: 100. I don't think they're going to break 110. That would be insane. I yeah. really hope, hope not. Uh, <laughs> but I think what's going to happen towards the end of the season is when they get to the latter stages of the Champions League, I think they're going to need to rest some of their guys in the Premier League. Although it depends. Because you know, what they've been doing, I don't know if you heard about this latest controversy, but actually, today in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury, uh, Klopp was kind of annoyed that they had a game during the uh, winter break.
0: Right, because so they, they had coach. a because uh, they have that uh, that replay. Whereas if you tie in the FA Cup, then you have a, a, another match as opposed to going to extra time or any of that.
1: Exactly, and so he actually sent their reserves, and he didn't even coach the game today. And so. they still won. And yes, and they won 1-0. Although, I mean, Shrewsbury, I can't remember what division they're in. I think they're in the championship, but don't... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure I'm not, off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not a very strong team. But I, I'm not sure how Klopp is going to approach the other competitions. Because you'd think, like, with the league basically won at this point, why not go for the treble? I mean, I can't. Right. Once again, that is not what I want to see happen. I mean, United's the only English team that's ever done that before, but they're really well-positioned to do that. I mean, they could have the League 1, I think, in the next five or six games, probably, can have it officially clinched. Right. So at which point, I mean, if it were me, I wouldn't really be too concerned with breaking City's point total. At that point, I'd be looking at managing the, the squad to have as strong of a lineup as possible out there for both the Champions League and the FA Cup. Because right now, in, in Europe, there's not really like a dominant force, well, other than Liverpool themselves. City have taken a step back this year, and a lot of the other big European clubs like Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, Bayern, Juventus, they're not quite as dominant as they are traditionally, so the, the path is definitely open there for Liverpool to win the Champions League again and add that to the Premier League and then the FA Cup is weirdly unpredictable because it's just the one game, you don't have the uh, two legs to kind of balance things out a right. bit over, but uh, yeah, I mean I can see them going for all three competitions, it's just a question of how is Klopp going to manage that and can they actually get it done. I think their next FA Cup game is going to be a pretty tough challenge with Chelsea, so
0: we'll see. Well, yeah, and it's, it's interesting too, you know, with the FA Cup, what have you noticed over the years in terms of at what stage of the competition do teams uh, on the level of Liverpool really start to take that seriously?
1: It depends. I mean, when you're Man City and you never draw any good teams somehow until the last <laughs> uh, semi-final. You don't really need to take it seriously until the semis. Yeah. Uh, t- typically, they start taking it seriously when they start drawing other like top half Premier League teams. So, I mean, the next game Liverpool's playing Chelsea, you'd think they'd put a pretty strong lineup out there. Uh, that's typically what tends to happen. Like, obviously, you know, like United in the next stage, they're playing Derby County. So, if that were Liverpool playing Derby County, I wouldn't expect them to put a very strong line out because Derby County's not a first-division team. But once you start getting towards the last uh, three or four rounds, you know, the quarterfinals, semifinals, typically you're playing a stronger team. And just because of the fact that you're so close to winning, it's just two or three more games, yeah, you're going to put a, a stronger line about out there just to make sure, you know, that you give yourself the best chance to actually get to the final.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, although I know you're you hoping that it doesn't happen, to see if they're, uh, they're competing near the end of, of all three of those competitions and, and could potentially win them all. So I'll ask you this, and again, I know this isn't an easy question for you to answer, but is this Liverpool team the best football team you've ever seen? No. No, I
1: can answer that pretty. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I don't think they actually have the best team that I've ever seen in the Premier League. I think their dominance right now is due to a number of factors. First of all, a lot of the traditionally top teams are really bad this year. So, obviously, you have Liverpool at first, and then you have Man City second by quite some distance, and then Leicester not far behind them. And then a pretty significant drop off to Chelsea. And then you have the teams from like 5 to 14 are all separated by, I think, 5 points right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a weird situation where, like, Sheffield United is doing better than Chelsea, or sorry, doing better than Arsenal and uh, Manchester United. So, I think what's happening is Liverpool is really just taking advantage of a really weak league this year. Sort of similar to. So, you mentioned Leicester before. So, Leicester, a lot of the reason they were able to win is because those traditional big teams were all struggling. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a similar situation for Liverpool, but they actually have a team that would be capable of winning the league regardless of whether it was was a weak league or not. And that, combined with the fact that the league is weak, is allowing them to kind of just totally dominate. But again, you know, I can see the argument, like, if it comes to the end of the season and they've won every single game, or sorry, they haven't lost any games like the Invincible Arsenal team, and they have the points record, you know it, it gets hard to not say it's the best season in the history of the premier league but i don't think this is the best team for me i some of those like early 2000s arsenal teams or manchester united in the late 90s or late 2000s and even chelsea in 2005 i think all those teams could compete with this liverpool team if you gave them like a champions league knockout over two legs i i i think they would
0: competing with or even beating them, to be honest. Interesting. So, yeah, I uh, I haven't been watching soccer as long as, as you have, obviously. I started watching seriously probably around 2012, 2013. And as far as teams that I've seen, I think this team is the best. I mean, you look at, um, you know, just man-to-man, the, the, the fullbacks on this team. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is, is uh, establishing himself as, as the best right-back in the world. You've got probably the best center-back in the world in Van Dyke you've got uh, you know their their front three of Mane, Firmino and Salah is is just about as good as anybody uh, any team out there and the midfield you know there's there's nobody that special but you look at the likes of, of what Henderson has done this season, uh, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, they've they've got uh, just really solid players throughout the pitch and, and even guys like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has stepped up and, and he scored a couple of goals in, in recent weeks.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with Liverpool, where it's like a lot of these guys that are on their team were not cast-offs, but like, players who were definitely underrated prior to, to being picked up by them. I mean, even in the case of Van Dyke, who for sure is the best centre-back in football right now, uh, when they paid $70 million for him, they got a lot of criticism for that for, uh overpaying, essentially, for the transfer. And then you have guys like Salah who actually did pretty poorly the first time he was in the Premier League at Chelsea. And Mane, who was picked up from Southampton. You have uh, Robertson, who was picked up from Hull City when they were relegated. And similar situation with Wijnaldum from Newcastle as well. It's it's not like they went out and bought all the best players from a bunch of other teams. It's kind of just been a really good job of them scouting and picking up kind of underappreciated players. Right yeah and, and, you know it's really impressive I'm not enjoying actually watching it but just from an objective like, point of view you know if I were not so heavily biased against Liverpool uh, it is impressive like what they've been able to do in terms of scouting and putting together a team that works really well and then obviously Klopp putting in a system where all these guys are able to really perform at their peak level like you mentioned their fullbacks that that isn't always the same in every other team. Right? Like some teams, they want the fullbacks to be quite a bit more defensive. For example, if you take a look at like someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka at Manchester United. He's a great fullback, but he's a defensive-minded fullback. Right. Whereas Trent Alexander Arnold is almost playing the role of like a wide midfielder in in Liverpool. So, no, it's been interesting seeing how Klopp's been able to get the best out of all their guys.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of development uh, and. And yeah, as you mentioned, the the transfer fees, you know, yeah, Salah and uh, and Mane, I think they were they paid about forty million for those guys. And you look at you mentioned the Manchester City center back troubles that they've had. Uh, The guys that they're, you know, even playing or are putting on the bench, uh, your Nicholas Otamendis, your John Stones, they paid 80 million for those guys, and they're not performing. So it really is a a testament to what Liverpool has been able to do. So let's move on and and talk about uh, your favorite team and and Manchester United. Their last game they they drew against uh, Wolverhampton, which... Uh, by the way, the, the Wolves have been one of my favorite teams to watch this season. They're, they're really fun. Uh, Adama Traore is, de, is uh, developing into the, one of the best players in the league, uh, a, a guy that uh, got great speed and strength. So uh, they, they tied against the Wolves on Saturday, but uh, they, they brought in a, a new player, a new signing in Bruno Fernandez, a big fee for him, around $88 million. And uh, what, were, what were your thoughts of uh, his opening performance? I, I thought Bruno looked really good
1: and he did end up getting mad of the match, I believe. Um, I think he was playing the wrong position. So we're playing a 4-2-3-1 in Manchester United right now under Solskjaer, but because of the, I guess, lack of depth in midfield right now due to the, lack, due to the number of injuries, he was actually played as more of like a holding midfielder, which is definitely not his best position. He's someone who you want Playing pretty much as far forwards as possible for a midfielder, so whether that's either as an advanced eight or as a number ten. So I don't think he was probably. I don't think he was actually utilized in the right position, but he played pretty well for where he was played. And some of his long shots looked extremely dangerous. So he looks like a good signing. I think overall, United has a lot bigger problems that can be solved by any individual player being signed. I think it goes all the way to the top in terms of organizational structure. They don't have a director of football, and Ed Woodward is kind of the one who's overseeing things at a high level, and that's resulting in uh, decisions made, being made that aren't particularly intelligent. Like, if, for example, you know, bringing in a temporary manager and then he has a good run, and you decide to hire him permanently based off of essentially a good run of form and not you know an actual track record previously as a manager and obviously when I say that I'm referring to Holy Hunter Solskjaer. Right. At, at the time I was pretty convinced shouldn't have been hired permanently at least not until the end of the season and we're seeing now that he's not really that great of a coach so United has a lot of problems <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, amongst those problems, Paul Pogba, who uh, I'm not sure if he's dealing with an injury or he's just been, you know, cast aside. But uh, you know, he's um, he's got all the talent in the world, but it hasn't really worked that well. Uh, he's they, there's been issues in terms of of uh, the perfect role for him as well. You know, they've played him in the the deep lying midfield position, and and he's probably better like Bruno Fernandez and. Uh, you know, with given more freedom to to advance and and be an attacker, uh, but uh, you know they they tried to to really build out the the defense with uh, the aforementioned Juan at right back and uh, uh, the the center back from from Leicester Harry Maguire, and uh, the the defense hasn't been as as solid as as uh, I'm sure you would have hoped, but yeah, the, there just seems to be so many uh so many positions that they need to fill and and now with the uh the the injury to Marcus Rashford they're bringing in Odion Agallo on loan uh to to fill the the striker role which is now a, a huge problem as well and and that also begs the question why they got rid of Lukaku.
1: Yeah, so the Lukaku thing, I think the reason they got rid of him, I don't, you know what, I don't think the actual intention originally was to get rid of him. I think they wanted to his role basically make him either a backup striker to Rashford or uh, make him play at wide more and I don't think Lukaku was interested in doing that so the decision then at that point became okay either you hang on to another unhappy player uh, kind of similar to the Pogba situation or you sell him and try to reinvest that money in someone else and I think that's what happened is they uh, decided to get rid of him and yeah I had left the team pretty thin up front. I mean, now, right, like, in terms of forward options, you basically have Martial is the only real experienced Premier League player until this recent signing of Igalo, but he hasn't really been good in the Premier League since 2016. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it looks pretty threadbare. I mean, you have Greenwood and Daniel James as well, but they're quite young and inexperienced. So, it's not a wealth of options, and I think Rashford is out with an injury until April, so which is pretty much then about the end of the season, right? <laughs>
0: so, right, and yeah, uh, it's difficult. Yeah, they, they find themselves six points back of, of fourth place Chelsea with with the thirteen games left to play, and uh, you know you you mentioned as well there's there's a pretty uh, big thicket of of teams there you know vying for the the Europa League spots and then also if you get into that top four you get Champions League football for the following season are you confident at all that they can uh, you know bridge that gap and and get into the Champions League for next season
1: i confident in them getting into the Champions League no <laughs> I don't think so um, I would be surprised if that happens I do think that there's a slight glimmer of hope in terms of if Pogba and McTominay do come back. You do have some pretty strong midfield options there with Bruno Fernandez, Pogba, Fred, uh, McTominay, where you can actually put a fairly strong midfield out there. I mean, Pogba and Bruno Fernandez in front of a holding midfielder like Fred or McTominay is actually one of the better midfields in the league. It's a question of though, do we have the right system to actually take advantage of all those guys being on the pitch? And how motivated is Pogba? Does he even want to be at Manchester United anymore? Probably not, given what we've heard him say in the summer and what his agent's been saying all year. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't look good. And you know, you did mention that we're six points away from fourth. But I think (laughs) United is actually closer to 14th place. In terms of points, I think it's five points away from 14. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a couple bad results, and there's a pretty difficult run of fixtures coming up with, uh, I think, Chelsea, Everton, Watford, Man City coming up in the next few games. Those are all teams that have either been better than United this season or who've been playing better recently, with uh, Everton recently getting Ancelotti and Watford kind of working their way out of the relegation zone, where Yeah, a few bad results could actually see United joining Arsenal in that uh, double-digit standing position in 10th or 11th. So uh, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, but I would not put any money on United finishing in the top four or even in the top six, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and and the challenges you mentioned, even if they get that... that, Perfect midfield out there. That especially with with Fernandez and Pogba, that can create chances with with their uh, you know multitude of, of passes and, and passing instincts. Uh, the the lack of that goal scorer up front is also a concern. You need a guy that that f- can finish those plays. But uh, yeah, was there, was there anything else you uh, wanted to talk about as far as the Premier League before we wrap up?
1: Uh, no, no big topics. Uh, I think I guess one thing is. It'll be interesting to see who's managing all the big teams next year. Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I think United will probably have a different manager next season, whether that's Pochettino or whoever else. And then you got to look at Chelsea as well. If they don't get that top-four spot, will they stick with Lampard? Because Abramovich has been pretty trigger-happy with managers in the past. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Even with Lampard being a Chelsea legend, if they let him stick around, if they don't get top four,
0: that's that and, would be insane to me because I think Lampard has been has been pretty great, and the fact that they, uh, you know, he was vocal about wanting them to uh, to to bolster the roster this January, and they did nothing.
1: Yeah, that was surprising actually because they spent a lot of money on legal fees to get their transfer ban lifted, so that they could actually buy someone in January, and then they. So, kind of a strange decision Hopefully it doesn't, well for their sake Hopefully it doesn't result in them Being passed in the standings But Tottenham are right there behind them Uh, So I mean, a bad result against United Next week could really see them Drop back into a serious fight For the fourth, so we'll see what happens With Chelsea Uh, Abramovich (laughs) He's fired managers in the past Who have done some pretty Good things for them, I mean he fired a manager right off of a Champions League win before, so <laughs> we'll
0: see. Yeah, and uh, I love Pochettino. I think if, uh, if United were to pick him up, that would be a great get. Uh, he is uh, a really skilled and talented manager, and, and he's another guy that I think um, you know the, a lot of the struggles this year in particular leading up to his firing involved them you know, not executing in the transfer market. You know, they've been they've spent years focusing on the new stadium as opposed to, you know, building the team out. And then you had players that uh, were, were forced to stick around like Christian Eriksen when they clearly wanted to leave. But I think Pochettino is, is one of the best managers in the world.
1: Yeah, I think he suffered from so some, Actually, something that Ferguson used to talk about when he was at United is basically, like, the need to rotate... Not even just bolster the squad, but actually rotate it and change it up over, as years come by, because it, things can actually get stale for the players, particularly in the situation of Tottenham, where they had the same group of guys and they kind of just continually kept coming up just short. Like they just lost out on the Premier League to Leicester, they lost that Champions League final, uh, they lost in a few cups in like the semi final or final, and you just. Same group of guys together, and not bringing in anyone new over time. That just kind of wears wears people down, and I think in the end, Pochettino just wasn't able to get a tune out of him anymore. And to be honest, even now, Mourinho isn't exactly hasn't exactly turned them into world leaders. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's a tricky one, but yeah, for sure, for me, right now, from the managers available, I'd love to see Pochettino come in at United. And there's been some talk that he's. They've been in discussions with him to come in, sort of similar to what happened with uh, Mourinho when Van Gaal was managing the team. And I've even seen some talk that Pochettino's made quite a few demands in terms of the actual organizational structure above him, potentially like... uh, requiring a director of football to be brought in. I don't know if that he has that much cachet to actually do something like that, but that that would be great because really the big problem at United for the past six years is uh, just not having having an overall football vision. Uh, when you lose a manager like Ferguson, who wasn't just coaching the team but also like you know guiding the vision of the team for the last 25 years, and you don't bring in someone to do that job that's where how you end up in a situation where you're consistently changing managers uh changing the style of play of the team and then having to buy and sell players because you bought one set of players to play this style but then now you want to play a different way so you have to change up the squad entirely so hopefully they can bring in someone who's going to kind of oversee all of that like essentially the director of football position is similar to having a general manager in the In basketball, right. So the fact that United don't have one is a big problem. It's like if you had uh, an owner with very little knowledge of actual basketball running the team as a GM. Oh wait, that's the Knicks, right?
0: (laughs) And you look at a team like uh, Liverpool, they have, uh, you, know, speaking of uh, bringing this back to, to basketball and, and talking about how, how teams have prioritized analytics. Liverpool has, has done that in the Premier League. They've got coaches for, for throw-ins to try to get the most out of every possible opportunities that they have. Exactly.
1: It's really important to bring in the right people to manage the team for sure. Well,
0: yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating to uh, to see the rest of this season play out, and then yes, as uh, as the off of the Premier League comes and, and the, the change of managers. There's always a uh, a coaching carousel going on every off season. But uh, yeah, for for me, it's uh, NBA is one A, and the Premier League is uh, is one I, I love them both, and uh, thanks so much, Abuka, for for coming on and uh, and chatting about it with me. No problem. Happy to come on anytime. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again a rating on there, uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter, at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g bougay at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to, uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from, uh, from the people listening to the program. And uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar, and uh, have a great rest of your day.